Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. Okay, well, first of all, congratulations on your engagement. And did you, are you married now or is there? No, we've been engaged for about six months. Okay. Enjoying that. Except the thing is that once you get engaged, it's just like when you get married, everyone starts asking you when you're having kids, which no one will ask me that. But being engaged means you everyone. You never know. Are you married yet? <laughs> there, have, there have been medical miracles reported elsewhere <laughs> in the world. Uh, but you do get asked by everyone, like, are you married yet? When are you getting alien? No, just engaged. Oh, nice. Enjoying that. And did you Thank meet... You. In Venice or did you meet in Canada or yeah. So maybe I, I know we kind of started talking about everything, but maybe let's take a step back and introduce yourself. And, you know, I know you, I adore you. I love all your businesses and restaurants and what you've done for female, you know, food industry people. I've been in the food industry as a female. It's been very difficult and you've done so well. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you met your, your wonderful husband. Um, well, my name is Janet Zuccarini and I'm, the CEO and founder of Gusto 54 Restaurant Group, which began 26 years ago. And uh, that all started after I lived in Italy for eight years and fell in love with food and cooking, but I studied business. And I came home to Toronto for a friend's wedding, not knowing what I was going to do in life, but I did know that I had the entrepreneurial spirit. And then in Yorkville, if people are familiar with uh, Toronto, at the corner of Yorkville and Bel Air, uh, these two guys were under construction for this restaurant that was going to become Cafe Nervosa. I ended up meeting them and they asked me to be a partner. It's a bit more involved in this story why they were talking to me, but I won't bore you with those details. But two weeks later, I was in the restaurant business. That That's really it. Uh, it's, you know, being open to seeing an opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, like becomes uh, a lot about being in the right place at the right time. And also, I think, open to opportunities. I would have never said in a million years, I'm going to own a restaurant one day. I mean, I, I have my, my degrees in business. I have an MBA. And there's not many people who have business degrees that own restaurants. It's usually people come from the angle of probably being a chef. And they come and they become an owner of a restaurant or they get partners. So it's, it's not a typical story. But I saw an opportunity, and uh, I, I thought the corner of Yorkville and Bel Air was a fantastic location. And we all know it's location, location, location. And so I started with these two guys. That ended up being a nightmare. I did not know these two men that I was getting involved <laughs> in business with. They ended up both to be nightmares. Immediately, the chef and I bought one of the partners out who was stealing all the money. Okay, great. You know, open a restaurant, you're just scraping by, and then. One of your partners is, you know, siphoning, siphoning all the cash off. Okay. We buy him out. I'm left with the chef and no more. I, you know, I, it was a nightmare from the beginning, but I had no more money to buy anyone else out. I had to just make money. So we ended up being partners for four and a half years. And eventually I bought him out. 
And that's when my life really started to take shape in me leading the company in the way that I wanted to lead it, as opposed to, you could have great partners, but this was not a great partnership. And my life just became a lot easier. Uh, running uh, Nervosa, which I changed the name to Trattoria Nervosa. And I decided that the best thing to do was to save my money and to eventually buy the real estate. And so I was coming from the perspective of, we were so successful. I felt a lot of it had to do with our location. And I felt very vulnerable if I would lose that location. So yeah. I thought, this is a gold mine of a location. And I, the smartest thing for me to do would be to buy that location. And, that, and that's why I'm telling this story in the sense of my growth was very slow and very methodical. Like I had to buy partners out. Like I needed to make money, yeah. buy one partner out, buy a second partner out. Then it's like, I want to buy the real estate. Then it was working and saving and living below my means so I could make a bigger move in life. And that then 10 years later, I, hear I bought you. the real estate. I hear you. It's, you know, it was a slow, I, I you know, I meet with a, quite a few younger entrepreneurs that want to talk to me and they think, well, I want to, you know, be, let's say, successful. You know, they want some advice from me. And uh, I didn't do it the, the typical way. And I really, I took my time. I also don't, you know, I, I think it's, better to build a strong foundation and then take risks when you, you can afford to take a risk. Yeah. And once I bought the building, you know, I had a, enough cash, and then I bought another building and that's when I opened up Gusto 101. And then I opened up a, a restaurant twice as big as Nervosa. So I, I, I was testing the waters. Let me go in a different location. It's not the corner of Yorkville and Bel Air. It was King West that wasn't as developed as it is now. It's, it's in saying what it is right now. Well, we're talking well, this is already 15 yeah. years ago. So I was living in that neighborhood when you opened. When you opened your doors, I was living on the corner of King and Portland and you opened and I had loved Nervosa for years and that's where we would take my mom for her birthday and like go there for, you know, every couple of months for just special occasions. So yeah, you already had a, a like a gem in Yorkville, which I adored. And then Gusto opened you know, on my doorstep. So I was like, oh my gosh, who is this person that has these two amazing restaurants? And that's how I kind of started following you from 101. Yeah. And that, you know, that took years to open up a second restaurant. It took me years. And again, being the sole owner, for me, I, you know, I was kind of making enough money. I was happy with one restaurant. I was like, this is, this is okay for my lifestyle. But it was more the, the drive to take on challenges. That's my drive that I, my personal drive that I have is I like challenges. And so for me, it was going to a new neighborhood that was more up and coming. King West then was a bit more up and coming when I opened. Yeah. Now I do not recognize it. I, the no. crowds and that, it's become restaurant row there. It's really. And when I I'm lived scared. there, I thought it was noisy. I thought it was noisy when I lived there. I had to move. Wow. I was like, oh God, it's so noisy that. Uh, beer market has a Sunday brunch guy on the guitar. Meanwhile, now it's like crazy. <laughs> it is really a mecca for, you know, in clubs, there's nightclubs. It's real. It's a real party, young party scene. You know, party yeah. scene. It wasn't when I opened. We didn't even think we could do a lunch there. But, uh, you know, basically to get to the punchline here, uh, tw this is over 26 years, but the beginning was very slow, methodical, saving my money, living below my means purchasing real estate. I, you know, I then bought a building across the street from Gusto 101. That's now Chubby's. I bought a building in Corktown. That's now Gusto 501. Then a different side of my business 
is I became partners with Jeff and Nui Regular. We have the pie, all the pie restaurants. Love that place. Where we've got yep. pie, downtown pie, uptown. We have Kin. We have Selva, another restaurant. So And that's, that's where I'm kind of supporting a team. I'm supporting Nui as a chef. And I came in to finance the project and my team and I work on the business side of things. So that's almost like a different way that we operate, that we're supporting a very talented chef. And that became a partnership. And, you know, that's a fantastic partnership. So all this is going on. And then it was, we're ready to grow outside of Canada and I'm ready to get out of winters. And that's with that combination. I didn't want to just move somewhere. I was, let me move somewhere and open a restaurant. Again, I wanted a challenge. Challenge. Let's let's do this. Are you an Aries? I'm not. I'm Libra. Very indecisive. Okay. Indecisive. Indecisive. I can get it down to, like, I'm at a restaurant. I'm always like, should I have the sole or should I have the spaghetti? I just want someone to tell me. Oh. Now, I always get it down. Libras are indecisive because they need to look at every opportunity. Way er I have to weigh everything out. And then I get it to like two. I narrow it down to two. What month is that? That's September to October. Okay. After Virgo, Libra. Okay. Indecisive. I thought as a business owner, you'd be like, I got all my... Well, yeah, sometimes when it's just very clear, but it's things that don't really matter. Like I'm at a restaurant. I'm just like, I kind of... I'm like, up down to these two. It's almost like the things that are not important, I spend... A lot of energy. Too much time on. <laughs> it, it's a very much a Libra thing. Okay, I don't so even you're know if like I believe in the zodiac thing, but I know that Libras are indecisive, and I'm indecisive. Okay, so okay, but so anyhow, like, LA. I've opened all these restaurants in Toronto. They're amazing. I love it. And now I'm sick of winter, which I'm sick of winter now. So yeah, what did you do? How did you then pick on the map? Well, I did spend some time in Miami, and I just didn't feel the connection for me to live there. So I did spend time looking at real estate. I saw that Miami was also good opportunities there. I came to LA. I landed and within, it was love at first sight. Like I did not know LA. I immediately fell in love with it. It's just, it's just every inch. It's a vibe. You know, you feel it. When I landed in Italy, when I was backpacking as an 18 year old, I landed in Italy. I landed in Rome and I said, I need to live here. Some places resonate where you feel, I'm a traveler, so I'm very comfortable traveling and I've traveled, I've done a lot of traveling. I just yeah. leave and I go and I travel. Uh, and lots of places I love to go back to and visit, but not live. And LA was, this place has it. And the culinary scene, I saw opportunity and I saw it changing. It was getting more exciting. And, but I saw, I saw opportunity. I saw opportunity. And so it was immediate and I, you know, I wanted to live here uh, and open up, open up a restaurant. And then I, I really got to know all of LA, go all, all around LA. And I did have this dream of opening in Venice on this particular street. And again, it was absolute luck that I was the first to hear of this stalwart restaurant that had been there for 25 years. The guy was retiring and I was the first to hear of it. And I jumped on his uh, restaurant and then turned that into Felix. So and, how long uh, from moving there till Felix opening? Was it like two years, well, a year? Um, it, was, it was two years. It usually takes about two years from an idea of a restaurant to opening. Like, you know, like getting a movie done in Hollywood. That takes years. Uh, everything takes years. You, you think you can jump on something 
Uh, I only had one project recently, and that's in Toronto, Cafe Zuzu. That was another kind of COVID opportunity. There have been really bad things in COVID, but there have been some silver linings in COVID. And this was a great location, which was the Paintbox Cafe. They went under during COVID. And I jumped on that location and I got a very good rent. And I kind of inherited a cafe and restaurant. We moved our head office there and our catering and our commissary. But now we've got also a 200-seat cafe and restaurant. And we turned that around within months. We opened. I haven't even seen it. It's open. It's going. I have not even seen the restaurant. <laughs> I was yeah, there I this summer. I haven't seen it either yet. I'm so excited. It opened to in a few it. months. Yeah. We, we didn't put a lot of money into this. There's other projects where if I buy the building, uh, I'm going to invest a lot more money. So that therefore, you know, usually the construction is a lot more involved. This one was like, we're going to paint it. We're going to put some furniture. A little bit turnkey. We didn't spend it. We didn't Here's spend the key. A start. Yeah. Yeah. So was but, that more uh, focused on coffee and like lighter fare? Right now, the cafe portion of it is open. So it's like, you know, an Italian cafe and we have a lot of baked goods. And then we have, you know, sandwiches and salads and pizza al taglio, you know, pizza by the slice. And then in about two months, we will have the restaurant portion. And it's going to be a Italian neighborhood. This is to be a, just a neighborhood spot, but cafe and restaurant. Well, I love it. I need to check that out. I definitely will check it out. And now cafe tell me about needs- Italy. You were there for school and then just stayed or? I, I landed, I was backpacking uh, in around Europe, as a lot of people do when they're 18, 19, whatever. And I ended up backpacking for a year because that's I'm a hardcore traveler. You know, people go, I just like, I'm like I'm in my element when I'm traveling the world, and that that was it. it was landing in Rome, and I said I need to find a, a way to live here, and I decided that I wanted to go to university there, uh, but I didn't speak Italian, so I went to an American university. So I went to a university that's still around called the American University of Rome. And uh, then when that finished, I just wanted to stay on in Italy. I, and I was a high school dropout that went to university. Call your parents? That's an, what's that? How does call my parents. Well, Did you call your parents and be like, I'm not coming home? Yeah, a little bit like that. You know, and then they're like, well, good luck. Make your own money. And I, I would have worked several jobs to keep, you know, stay living in, in Italy. I got a little help from my parents. But... Um, you know, coming, I was a high school dropout. I never graduated from high school, but I went to university. And that's another long story, but I, I end up uh, going to university and uh, getting very serious about school. And I realized that it made society happy that I was going to school. And I, I thought it was, I loved university, but I couldn't believe that society, people, parents, relatives, whatever, they were wow, university studying business. It was, and I was like, I read a book and I take a test. And it's not that, it wasn't that difficult and because I was also very interested. But I decided if people, society, because I'm a high school dropout and people were very ashamed of me. And, but, so I thought they put a lot of, I'm still the same person, I have the same brain, but there was a lot of value put in me going to school. I, I saw, you know, as a young person. So I thought, well, if I get my MBA, that's a real way to oh impress people. Oh my gosh, you're going to be like the talk of the town. Uh, you know, I'm just, 
you know, people proud of you. And yeah. I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit of a scam. I loved, I loved university, but I also thought like, wow, this is nothing to impress people. Okay, this is all they needed. Okay, I'll read a book and take a test and impress uh, society. Uh, so I stayed on and I did my, uh, there was a master's program, another American university, Boston University was running. So I ended up like just all told, stay, living there for eight years. And then it was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's when just flying home for a friend's wedding and then getting my hair done in Yorkville and then meeting these two guys and them saying, be our partner and me going, what? I've never even served a table. No, it'll be great. Be our partner. Then two weeks later, I'm oh like, my God. I own a restaurant. I love it. And were you fluent in Italian by then? Yeah, fluent enough. Like I learned the language pretty quickly because I was determined. But, you know, my writing skills, I took, you know, I can get by. I can travel to Italy. Italian is the only language or one of the only languages or maybe there's many languages that you only speak in the country. Italian is useless outside of Italy, but I do love yeah. going there here and practicing oh, my Italian. And, yeah, I'm pretty. So I'm, was the menu I'm, for Nervosa from like all the favorite foods you loved in Rome or? No, because I had partnered with these two guys that already really had the menu in place. Over time, I, I kind of took it over and I write a lot of the menus for the restaurant. So even a restaurant like Chubby's, the Jamaican restaurant which we just made the michelin guide and only 25 restaurants made the guide in total i'm very proud of my little passion project this jamaican restaurant chubby's that made the michelin guide and i wrote out the menu for that i wrote out a jamaican menu because the vision wasn't being met with uh the chef wasn't really getting my vision so when that happens i i do the menu gusto 101 i did the menu uh nervosa has become a little bit mine and uh over time tweaked it but you know, the, I was partners with a chef at that time and he did, he did the menu. And what's Felix like? Is it more California style or is it still, and why the Felix? Name Felix? Is the, Felix is definitely, we built a brand around the chef. His name is Evan Funky and he does very, very traditional, I would call it farm to table, goes to the farmer's market every day. But he studied in Italy and, and is very, very pure Italian food. And Esquire magazine, three months after we opened, named us the best new restaurant in America. So wow, we had that's a massive accolade. And Felix is on everybody's list. And it's a very hard reservation to get yeah. in, in L.A. And we're five years old. And the food is really something I, I'm very, very proud of. It's a, it's a very special restaurant, Felix, to me. Well, the band's on my hit list because I go to a trade show every year in L.A. and it's on my hit list for next spring. Yeah. So I, I will be trying to get a re How can we get a reservation early? How does it work? Do you call at a certain day? Or well, reservation, the reservation uh, books open up just a week in advance. So just send me a text. Okay. <laughs> just send me an email. Oh, I know you. I know, Janet. I'll get, I'll get you in. I'll get you in. And then how do you go from restaurant tour to TV show host? Because... This is a whole other world. Were you always interested or was it another opportunity that just popped up? The, the, um, they came to me and, uh, you know, I, one of the chefs was cast on the show and she was actually an ex-chef of mine. And she suggested that the, um, the production company meet with me. And, you know, they need to have a balanced show. They can't, it can't be all white males, you know, in all these shows. They do need to, you know, have diversity and have women. So when you're talking about 
women in the restaurant industry, very few. So I'm not going to say like, it, I was an easy name to kind of pull out of a hat because there's so few women and female owners that own restaurant groups. I, it's very rare. I don't even know. Even fewer, I, yeah. I, and executive chefs that are females. Out of the, I love this statistic that out of the world, the statistic of women, female executive chefs and owners, females, represent 4% of the entire oh. industry. Oh my gosh. Global industry. Very, oh, very globally. male dominant. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they came to me and uh, I think it's a, I wouldn't do another show. It's a, it's a, an appropriate show for me. And that's all I do. I love eating food and dining wherever I go. I love food. I love dining out. I love cooking. And so it's an appropriate show for me to be on. And, you know, the show, uh, they did, they, re they did it with a new cast. Only Mark McEwen was the only cast member that stayed on the show, but they, we just finished the finale was last Monday of our 10th season. And that was the new cast. That was our sixth season, but great group of people. Uh, we have so much fun when we do it. And it looks like so much fun. I mean, it's so much fun. You sit there, you eat, you talk about food, what you like, what you don't like, you drink some wine. I mean, it's wonderful. The days are long though. I'm not going to lie. You know, so it's do you film like all day. together, like 12 weeks in a row or do you do film like? Yeah, it's a, it's one month it? of filming. Okay. And then uh, 30 minutes of the show will take a full day. Like I'm talking, you know, you, you know, you're in here and makeup yeah. at 630 in the morning and then, you know, you're eating food, whatever it is. It's usually about 10 a.m. you're eating and you might even start with dessert at 10 a.m. You're eating 13 dishes <laughs> and then it might be at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. or something. You're at the judge's table filming that probably till 10 11 and just 10, still trying to look PM. all like nice and nice and awake yeah 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 <laughs> after eating 13 dishes and you might be drinking wine you know oh my and God, then you're it. like hours later talking about the uh, dishes i'm not complaining it's a lot of fun it, yeah it looks amazing and like eden and mark and it looks like so much fun with all the yeah the contestants are so eden. passionate and so creative and it's such a dream job yeah, and we're all so we're now all you you're you're all friends. That's good. Well, we're all we're all yeah, just yeah. like we know each other. We're 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 friends, and it's a wonderful reunion every time we shoot the show for a month. Yeah, you could do that. If you're interested in learning the baking basics behind making swoon-worthy cakes, I invite you to join our six-week online cake and buttercream course, which can be taken from anywhere in the world. Class starts every other month, and in these classes, you will make new connections and learn new baking and cake decorating skills. With weekly live Zoom meetings with our chefs, you will discuss your progress and your homework, and you will be on the road to becoming the cake decorator you've always dreamt of being. Training from our expert chefs teach you proven foolproof cake basics. This course is broken down into three different parts. Part one, cake. You will learn the science of baking cakes and test on your skills by baking six different recipes. Part two, buttercream. You will dive deep into the wonder of buttercreams, testing out the most popular icings. Part three, decorating essentials. You will learn to stack, mask, and comb your cake to perfection. This space is filled with supportive, collaborative interaction and access to a fully immersive learning experience to transform the way you bake. You can find the link to join our classes in the show notes and use podcast 20 for 20% off. I look forward to baking with you.
So now growing up, you, you came from the Zuccarini household. What's, what was that? And I know, I think your father was in the coffee business. Is that what was, yeah, on, my the, father what was brought on the menu to... at night at your house? <laughs> well, my father was an entrepreneur, so that's where I got my entrepreneurial sp spirit from. And my father brought the first espresso machine to Canada in 1954. And so he was a pioneer. And that's the business that uh, he went into. It's a family business that one of my sisters now has taken over. And so she's taken on the family business, but she's an entrepreneur running, running that. And then I have another sister and she has her own fashion line called Fleur de Mal. And she's based in New York City. And uh, so she's an entrepreneur. So three girls. Three girls. Yeah. We all have our own companies. And my father was, my father was Italian. My mother is German. My father, very particular about food, uh, was at the level of a chef and taught my German mother how to cook. So my father would only eat Italian food. And, you know, he's like, you know, the sauerkraut and Wiener schnitzel will not do for him. So he just taught her dish by dish. And uh, we, we ate home cooked meals because it was, food was very important to my father. And that's where we got that from. Very pure uh, farm to table cooking, everything made from scratch at home, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nice. Home cooked what, meals. What part of Italy was your father from? Or is Abruzzo. Your from? Abruzzo, okay. Yeah. So kind of in the, in the Very... middle, uh, middle at, the, at the level of Rome, but at the Adriatic coast, up in the yeah. mountains. You know, but so simple, the typical fresh Italian immigrant. What's yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Simple, fresh ingredients, like, is what? Yeah, that's yeah. Italian cooking is really about that, right? Not manipulating the food a lot. French cuisine mm -hmm. is a lot about the sauces and, you know, it, it's a much more manipulation of the food as opposed to Italian cooking is just kind of highlighting the inherent goodness of the product. Uh, so it ends up being very simple. It's the way I, that's the way really I like to eat. Yeah. And you're, you're always cooking from your Instagram. You're always cooking for your lovely fiance. What's his favorite food? <laughs> Tell us about your fiance because he's also quite a Canadian icon. Yeah. So um, his name is Robbie Robertson and uh, he's yeah. a recording artist and a legend. <laughs> yeah. Like, a what's legend it like dating love, a legend? My life. <laughs> did you know him for it's years? It's awesome. It's, it's aw he's like, you know, him and his group of friends are very interesting people to be around and uh yeah he's he's an amazing artist and you know so coming from different worlds he's an artist i'm more of a business person and you know it's very different but it really it really works we were introduced through mutual friends uh the budmans you know from yep. roots yep and they also as uh, they spend time in la they have a house in la and they introduced us and they were hoping to be matchmakers, and it worked. They succeeded. And, um, we met. Uh, we're 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 getting close close enough to five years uh, being together, and we met Aww. and um, met and fell in love, and we got engaged six months ago. And you know now we're we're in a we're in a house that we love that we're uh, you know working on together to build this this home of ours together. Oh, and uh, that's it. We, we we were just at Marty Scorsese's 80th birthday and we flew to New York and, uh, you know, it's his best friend, you know, has done, uh, he does all the music scores or most of the music scores for Martin Scorsese's films and is just working, finishing up, wrapping up a film right now called Killers of the Flower Moon. But 
he he's he works and he's writing up a follow-up book to his uh autobiography called testimony they're doing a film also based on that book you know they did a documentary film called once we're brothers that uh, premiered at the toronto film festival in 2019 before covid when life was good and um yeah and he's just you know he works a lot which is great because uh you know, I'm also just independent and I work and I've got to do my thing and he does his thing. And then yeah. we come together when I cook for him. And yeah, you know what? COVID got me back cooking. Pre-COVID, I kind of hung up my apron and I decided, you know what? I've done enough cooking in my life. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to go out to eat all the time. And I did that. And it's different when you have someone to cook for. But for with Robbie, the first two years until COVID, I, I didn't cook. You I were really just taking cook. out, getting takeout. <laughs> We would just go out. We were just out. Very Does social. he cook? What's that? Does he cook? Does like the rock star cook? Or is he, he does. He does. He's got a couple of dishes. His mother was a great home cook. So he's picked up a couple of recipes. But let's, I, I'm the cook in the family. I'll, I'll do okay. the cooking. <laughs> and But COVID got me back in the kitchen cooking. And I do love it. And, uh, you, you know, I was happy to get back in the kitchen. And I, I love simple home cooked food. And. All the food I, I get, you know, for us is organic. And I like just making sure that we eat, you know, quality food. So I, I'm, I'm cooking, you know, most nights I'm, I'm home cooking and I've taken on some cooking projects. Like I became obsessed with learning how to make the best gelato. So I've got a gelato oh, machine. Oh my goodness. I love that. And uh, that, that's been a project three months. And I may, when I say I make gelato every single day because we eat it every day. Um, but then this family comes there, got. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't even know how I do it. And I stay pretty small. I'm like, this gelato every night might catch up with me. But so far, I haven't gained any. You race. have the jeans. You have the Italian jeans. My grandmother was like a <laughs> slim just, woman for her whole life. When I lived in Italy eight years, I ate a gelato every single night. And I'm talking, I did not miss a gelato. So I figured I can do that. And somehow, I don't know if you... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's also portion control. But yeah, we eat gelato every single night until my cholesterol level goes through the roof. That's what's going on. I make gelato and, uh, you know, love to cook and we love our home and we love being together. And then we we go out and we do things. But if not, I'm cooking. <laughs> so do you like our, our neighbors who just moved to L.A. and they actually moved to Venice Beach? She was like, we have a lemon tree. So that's her. She's just in awe that she has a lemon tree and I'm in awe that she has a lemon tree. Do you have a lemon tree? We have a lemon tree. And the uh, lemons are like in, they're coming in right now. Citrus is in for winter and they are just, they are amazing. They're so juicy. They're the juiciest lemons. And we also have an avocado tree. And then um, once I settle, because I've been working on the interiors or we have been working on the interiors of the house, but once it's settled, I do want to get a little garden going. I have a little area. And I wanted yeah. to get a little garden going and, uh, you know, get back to my Italian roots. So what's the I'll flavor? Have... What's the flavor of gelato that you've been making or flavors? Like, what's your experimentation? Is well, it I had like to traditional perfect the base. Or... Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to perfect all the bases. So I had to perfect vanilla. And vanilla is basically going to be your base for a lot of the, the creamy based uh, gelato. So vanilla, chocolate. But to perfect chocolate, I mean, I used every chocolate that I could get my hands on. I. I went to every store, this top chocolate, that to narrow down like what cocoa powder, what chocolate, like every recipe I sat on and I made over and over again until. So I, for me, I feel like I perfected vanilla, chocolate, pistachio is my absolute favorite, perfected pistachio. 
Uh, I love banana gelato. So I've got banana. I do a blueberry gelato, a stracciatella. Oh. So a chocolate chip gelato. Nocciola? Um, nocciola I haven't made yet. Oh. Cafe, no, uh, co- coffee and nocciola I want to make next. But what, what I've made the base for, which I'm going to be making on Sunday, is we had, you know, it's persimmon season. We have a lot of persimmons in California. Mm-hmm. Very popular Italian fruit. And the the window, the season in California is really, really short. So I had a, a bunch of persimmons. So I made this persimmon puree. So on Sunday, I'm going to make persimmon gelato. That'll be my first one that's a little bit different, call it. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Persimmon get- is such a tricky food. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'll report back. Sunday, that's going down. I'm coming but over big on plans Sunday. on Sunday. If I lived in LA, plans. I'd be like, hello, I'm coming over. Well, we were in Italy for two weeks. We just got back and we had gelato limone every night. Oh. And that, like, I so many had, flavors, oh but I just kept zoning on a lemon because it's so tangy and refreshing with my lemons are coming off my tree right now you just gave me a great idea am i crazy i love lemon gelato well i was waiting for that for your flavor to come up i was like where's her lemon gelato i didn't think of that yet and lemon i do love a lemon gelato i'm making that that's gonna be next week next week i'm doing lemon gelato check out my instagram i'm gonna completely do it because we have amazing lemons (laughs) oh i'm so jealous where were you in italy so my family's from Sicily, but I have a good friend in Rome who's an interior designer. We stayed at his beautiful uh, Trullo in Puglia, the traditional Trulli. And it was just magical because I said to everyone, it's not just being in the place, but everything in his home is so beautifully curated. Like even his fruit bowl, he had branches from his um, pomegranate tree outside. So just everything was so beautiful and simple. And oh, just I like, love that. His bedding, like his throws and, you know, he's an interior designer. This is his whole life and his, his napkins and the rings and the music playing every day when we woke up and just like his coffee cups and all the ceramics from the local town. And it was just like, I just felt like it just soaked all the stress and city vibe out of me. And I just got so relaxed and and it was tasty. I I love that. And it's amazing. Like all these like little things, uh, the little things really make a difference. I think about that in hospitality. When you're looking at like every vessel, every glass, everything you touch, look at, it should be that kind of experience where, you know, it it brings you a feeling, a transporting feeling when things are curated, right? I just, that. And in in Italy, you can just do that. One day I'm going to have a home there. Uh, Well, you should hire him because he built this. What's his name? Like this walk. Paolo Majorano. He he always worked in the UK though. So um oh. he does design interior designs and store designs and, and retail design. That's how we met at one of my first jobs. But he has this arch, this kind of like Roman aqueduct connecting his kitchen to his bedroom because he has like an outdoor, you know, patio. And I'm like, Man, how hello. did they make this? And he said the artisans took stone by stone, carved them, and then placed them in this arches, I mean, these arches. Like that's beautiful bones to work with and then decorate around that, right? (laughs) And I said, well, where do they get the stone? He said they dug them up from the ground underneath. So like just the whole story of this place is just, and the prickly pear trees and he has like a water feature and, you know, obviously a beautiful pool, but it was just, ugh, bliss. Oh, that sounds, that's. If you ever, if you ever get to Puglia, you should drop in for tea and, and he has like eggs from the farmers next door. I I was there. Puglia is really. 
kind of taken off. And, and, and it's so, it's so wonderful. It's so beautiful. When, where, which town is he in? He's near Ostuni and Chelya. So he's in a, okay. a very small, like, he's outside of both of those two. So he's 10 minutes from each. Yeah. One. So Ostuni yeah. was like being in Greece. I thought this is just Greece. But I know. It, it's a, most of, I just was there a couple of years, three years ago now. I think it was 2019 and um, went all over Puglia. It was so, so beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. My, my food and wine. My soul is in Italy. My soul is, is everything, everything to do with Italy. I love it too. I love it. Just breathe the air and the wine and the, oh, oh, and eat the gelato and the gelato. The rule is one gelato a day. What? What? What a day. I was just, I was just there with my sister, not just there, in May. We were there in May. And um, I normally, I normally skip breakfast. I do the old, I know it's very trendy to do the intermittent fasting, but skip a meal. And so basically it opens me up so I can eat a lot more at dinner. That's all, that's all I look to do. <laughs> I found a way to eat more at dinner. That was my thing. But I was like, I only eat twice a day. And then my sister and I were like, oh, we're staying at these hotels and they do this great breakfast spread. You know, the Italian breakfast, you know, and the like cheese and the bread, and whatever. And every, like all everything, right? And I was like, I, okay, wait a sec. I got to get back on breakfast. Hold on. But I got to skip a meal so I can, you know, really. <laughs> So what are we going to do? So our, our thing in, in Italy, breakfast, lunch was a gelato, oh. and then we'd have dinner. We're like, and okay. we're like, wow, this really worked out. That's a, a really good plan. You're right, because Every the lunch. breakfasts are like cheese and meat. Like you're having that at 9 a.m. So, well. Yeah, unless you're having a pastry, but we would have the whole spread. But the Italians, they don't even, they have their little cornetto, their little brioche, whatever. Yeah. Usually they have that. So it's almost like not having breakfast. It really isn't. It, they they have a tiny little, it's 300 calories. It's almost like not having breakfast. Okay. They have that. Well, yeah. We then visited our family in Sicily and they didn't have any breakfast. They had a coffee, like an espresso and a cigarette. Yeah. You see? <laughs> but, well, nothing. Yeah. The, that'll keep your weight down. I was like, oh, I made scrambled eggs one day and they looked at me like I was there. They were like, I was like, yes. I'm scrambling an okay. egg. They were like, no. Italians are like, they feel sick. They're like, you eat that heavy? Like, obviously, Italians will have a, a Sunday dinner. Like, they'll, they'll make the frittata. And they, they're like, hey, it's heavy. Like, they, they but think, I don't think they scramble eggs, too, because they were like, Why, what are you doing to the egg? I'm like, like mixing it. They're like, oh, yeah, so yeah. maybe they, it is no, just frittata. They do like a frittata. <laughs> they do different things. But the, the whole Amer American breakfast. Um, but that now, yeah. yeah, now makes sense to me. I, I was like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, I would have bacon, eggs. I would go crazy for breakfast. But anyhow, now I found a way just to eat more gelato. My missing breakfast just lets me eat more gelato. I like that plan. I'm going to try that next time I go. <laughs> but but you have wine with the gelato or just at dinner? Just at dinner. No, oh, no day drinking. Okay, okay no day I drinking. I can't do the day drinking. I, I, like I, like, like a five o'clock spritz. At five o'clock, we're good on vacation. Sometimes at lunch, a little couple sips of white wine. You know, it just makes me tired. I also just like, oh, you know, I like waiting for things. I like, you know, let's wait at 6, 6 p.m. And like Robbie, he makes fun of me because I literally wait. Like if it's a minute before six, I wait. And he's, he'll look at the clock and he's like, it's six. Here you go. <laughs> you know, you have to have some discipline in life, right? If not, you just like open the door to be... I like, don't you like waiting to be rewarded with some things? Anyhow, These I love my work. important life rules, like, 601 yeah. wine. 
Although eating wine. in Italy is so late. We were like, can we have a reservation at six? Because we have a toddler. They're like, oh, yeah. We open like, at 630. What? Roll your toddler in. Your toddler will be asleep by 10 o'clock in the stroller. Yeah, I know. We, learned we, had, to, we had to get, shift our schedule to that, to, to that, you know. But we would like, we would sleep in, wake up late, you know. Breakfast would almost you get be into like it. Once. Yeah, yeah. You, you just get. They know how to do. All I know is they do it right, and we don't. So that's it. They, yeah, they're they, they not a, like live stressed right. out, and yeah, yeah. No, they're not stressed about work. Well, you know. No. Well, I guess um, I wanted to thank you for your time. I had such a fun chat, and maybe tell us your top um, place to visit in LA, or maybe to eat in LA, other than Felix, obviously. If we. Yeah. Listeners are heading to exactly. LA. Tell us what they could do like on a typical, you know, day off. Well, I think when I think when you come to LA, especially if you're coming from Canada, get out by the water, go on a hike. There's this one hike that I love. I take all my friends who visit. It's called Lost Leonis. And it's kind of on your way to Malibu. You can look it up, but it's just like beautiful and not that difficult. And you go up 30 minutes and then you get vast views of the ocean and you feel rewarded and then walk back down. Uh, that one or doing a hike uh, by the Hollywood sign. There's, you know, you can just plug in the Hollywood sign hike. It's another, I think I, I'm an outdoorsy person. I love being out, outdoors. So when my friends come, it's always about like, let's go for a hike or renting bikes and going on the boardwalk in Venice and walking Abbot Kinney, one of the only walking streets in all of LA and checking it out on a Saturday and you know, getting an ice cream on the corner and uh, walking around there. One of my favorite restaurants is in Venice. It's called Jolina. It's on Abbot Kinney. And that's been, that's been around now. It, it is about 14 years old, 15 years old. But it's, it's a great experience. And they have a wonderful outdoor dining area. So I like to recommend that. If people want to... Japanese cuisine here and sushi is amazing. And oh, okay. our favorite restaurant, all of our special occasions, we just celebrated. Well, Robbie's birthday was late, but I took him for his birthday dinner. Um, it's called N Naka. And she's a female Japanese chef who has two Michelin stars. And the experience wow. is very, very special. N Naka. She just opened up a more casual restaurant called N Soto. And it just got Esquire Magazine's top restaurants in America. N Soto. So I would try that. And there's a new Middle Eastern restaurant that also made Esquire's. This just came out two days ago. Uh, it's called Safi's and it's Middle Eastern. And uh, the chef is Israeli. And he has a wonderful other Middle Eastern restaurant called Bazelle. Incredible. And an incredible Italian restaurant called Bestia. But this new, more casual spot, Safi's, is just fun. So uh, those would be my recommendations. Jelena for a great stalwart. Jelena's the restaurant that created is it italian uh, jelena is it's it is more um it's kind of like i'm missing the word that i want to say it's i don't i want to say european it's california european, okay but it's it is mediterranean is the word i was looking okay. for mediterranean so it's got italian it, it, with california influence but a lot of italian dishes uh, California influence, but they have some Greek dishes, some Spanish dishes. Mm. It's Mediterranean and wow. very, very farm to table, Jelena, and very, very well known. In, and uh, is LA. gelato going to be on your menu soon at Felix or in any of your Toronto restaurants? We make gelato fresh every night from scratch. 
the next restaurant I'm opening up with uh, Rob Gentile from Buca in Toronto. From ex- he was the you know chef and yeah. partner at Buca. He's now moved to LA. I moved him here because I have a, an amazing opportunity oh. in West Hollywood. So it's going to be our next restaurant. It's called Stella. It's going to be opened, uh, you know, spring summer, uh, 2023. And I've asked him if I could do the gelato program there. I said, I cannot be working every night on gelato and it just live in my stomach and Robbie's stomach, you know, and for one of my friends come over. I would love to, because it's really been a passion project. So um, I'm hopefully I'm going to run the gelato, you know, I'm just going to run the gelato program. You're going to like be behind the counter scooping gelato every night. (laughs) I will. I'm going to make it and train the staff there. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Stella, West Hollywood, opening up. I love the name. 2023. Nice. Well, it was so great to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy that I, you know, had the time to chat to you. And like I said, I've loved your restaurants. My son had his first jiving moment at Chubby's. So we were (laughs) sitting having lunch there and he was probably one. And my girlfriend and I, she's Bahamian. And we were having like a beautiful lunch. And then some song came on. I can't remember what it was. And it was like reggae or something. And my son just was like in a stroller. And he was like, (laughs) <laughs> we just both burst into laughter. We were so happy, proud of his moment. So yeah, we've had so many memorable moments at your restaurant. So keep keep up, uh, keep up all that. Uh, and I'll put some stuff in the show notes. If you do want to share your gelato recipe with the world, I can add that. If not, we can uh, keep it a secret, and you know we can add some of the other favorite links to your places and and restaurants and all the like places that you recommended in in Venice and LA and. And we'll see you on television and see you in the restaurants and see you on Instagram. And yeah. And thank you for everything that you for for women in the community. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolce.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa Sanguidolce.